0: Oh, Elliott, off to the races, can they catch him? No, they can't, touchdown! Samuel,
1: cuts it back, Ohio State wins! basket spreading out, sets up deep, over the middle!
2: Touchdown,
1: Buckeyes! Fields has time, watches downfield, it's Olave, he's got it! Touchdown, Ohio State! Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw. A little bit different uh, this time around. Not too much football going on. Uh, Dylan Rayola, five-star 2024 quarterback, is committed to Ohio State. Um, he's good. He's also you know, a high school sophomore, so I don't think we have too much to break down there. Um, potentially some 2023 commitments coming up here soon. Um, some big ones, but we'll keep that. Uh, in store for a future episode. Today is special because we have uh, NBA writer Jackson Frank on to talk about some uh, Buckeyes uh, in the NBA, some Buckeye basketball in general. Um, so yeah, Aaron, how you doing? Jackson, glad to have you on. How you doing?
2: I'm, I'm great, uh, as always. You know, it's great to have Jackson on, you know, a certified ball knower. <laughs> um it's good to have some ball knowledge on the on the chat today so uh this should be a good episode you know it's uh it's a little bit out of our comfort zone but always happy to have uh, a subject matter expert on
0: yeah happy to be here I'm, i apologize for all you buckeye fans that you don't have any buckeyes to root for and i guess you know if we want to get into the coaching sphere i guess you can you know, you can root on Evan Turner and the the Celtics. You know that's not really Ezra's forte. on the Celtics, but <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna um,
2: say we don't really rooting for the
0: Celtics this series. <laughs> my dangerous. my allegiances have been very fluid
1: this postseason. Um, I'll say that I, I never thought I'd be rooting for James Harden, but here we are. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So Jackson, like I said, just to open things up, if you have any brief thoughts on college football at all, any opinions, any experiences with college football. <laughs> Go ahead and shoot. This might be a ten second segment, but uh, you may as well get out of the way.
0: Uh, I, mean, I think the only thing I can really say is, when I was in college, so I went to Gonzaga. We didn't have a team, obviously, but we're about ninety minutes north of Pullman. Uh, you know, a Washington State place, and you know, I haven't been to a game for a couple. And then we went to a few games, you know, when I was in college. So I think, for, if anything, my only involvement this year will be trying to make it for a couple of games. Obviously, being in Portland now, it's you know, it's a little bit harder to, to track all the way to Pullman. But, uh, you know, in the in the fall. But that'll be my one my one experience, I think, with college football. Hopefully it'll be out to get out to a game there because that's what a co- few of my college friends and I would do would go to a game and, and have some fun. We got to watch some two some of the best, you know, Washington State teams over the last five or six years A the year with Gardner Minshew. They had a pretty good year with Luke Falk as well. So um, that's about all my, my contributions. My dad went to Stanford, so I'm a bit of a Stanford fan as well. But um, I don't have, you know, like I said, when you, go, when you go to school without a college football team, it's tough to really yeah. have any sort of, just won't be that's my one. I guess my one statement on on college football for for the the upcoming year, upcoming. I mean, five months away. But <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I I do I do remember that one Apple Cup. I think both teams were like ten and one or something. I think that or it was something like that. I think Washington went to the playoffs that year. I like uh, I like the Apple Cup. That's a fun. Yeah, it was Friday, just, Friday, I, don't, I don't know.
0: I don't know what I don't know exactly what UW was that year, but the the year they had Gardner Minshew, or Washington had Gardner Minshew, they were like. Seventh or eighth in the in the playoff rankings going into that game, but it definitely would have made you know, probably made the New Year Six bowl if they won that because they would have won the Pac twelve North. And it was my friends. My friends live in Seattle, and his family that both his parents went to Wazoo. And that game's over Thanksgiving break. I made this huge threat to get to Seattle with them, and then go to Pullman, and it was just pouring down rain slash snowing. We get up there. And Washington State lost I don't know like forty-five to ten. And it was like it was like Ugh. a three hour trip for me to get up there, and we were soaking <laughs> wet in the rain in the rain and the snow. It's like a fun bonding experience to talk about right. now. Like, it was the most miserable, like 19 hours of my life, just like going up trying to be excited, and like they just get the the crap yeah. kicked out it, of them. It's and, like
1: at least if it were a close game, you know, it's like yeah, you have some suspense, but you get you're there, like, yeah, that's that's brutal. Uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah, so on on to on to basketball um the first guy i wanted to talk about um is d'angelo russell and i think i think d'lo is a very sort of interesting player um i think he's definitely useful in the right situation i think he definitely helped minnesota this year um i think some of his shortcomings uh shown through i guess in the postseason against memphis um my sort of stance on d'angelo russell is he is Pretty good shooter, a very good passer, but he's not very explosive off the dribble, and that sort of limits him from weaponizing that passing. Um, what do y'all think about D'Angelo
0: Russell? You want me to go first? I'm happy to Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sure. yeah, I think that's a pretty apt su- summary of him, and I think he was pretty good. Like I haven't always been the biggest D'Angelo Russell fan, um, but it's not really his – I mean, that's something I just have – you know, it's not really – <laughs> that really matters, but um <laughs> he won he won me over to an extent this year. I really liked how, even though he's not very, you know, athletically gifted and you know in the in the scheme of NBA players, he used it about as well as he could defensively this year, coordinating things like you could like you watch a play and you're always seeing him call things out, point things out. Um you need that in you need that in the NBA, you need that in any level of basketball to communicate defensively. So I thought he did that really well. Um but yeah, I mean decision making's not great. You saw that I mean that was kind of the big issue with the the Timberwolves in the entire series, right? Is that the three lead decision makers and Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Towns weren't guys that necessarily like valued every possession as it needed to be in the fourth quarter of a playoff. I and mean, they sometimes are treated like it's the second quarter of a game in, in November or, or December. And I think D'Angelo was, you know, part of that. Right. So, I mean, I think they closed game six without D'Angelo Russell. And they played Jordan McLaughlin over him, I recall, and it was warranted. I mean, McLaughlin was playing, he was better defender. He's making better decisions on the ball offensively. So, um, D'Lo struggled pretty significantly in his two playoff appearances. Um, obviously a small sample and against two, you know, he, they were the underdogs in both times, Playing the Sixers when he was the Nets and then with the Grizzlies or with, you know, with the Timberwolves against the Grizz, Grizzlies. So um, I think you should expect Minnesota to at least be in kind of the playoff hunt for the next four or five, how many years it is. So hopefully he can build on that, but, but yeah, I think he's a, he's a good player, but you know, people, you know, Drevon loves to talk about the 16 game versus 82 game player. And I think right now DLO is an 82 game player. And that's, there's still a lot of value in that. Like he was, as you said, Ezra, he was clearly a huge part of them making it, you know, to, to the seventh seed, winning 46 games. But um, I think for him to take the next step and the Wolf to take the next step, he's got to kind of clean up decision-making and just do, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the next step is defensively, but um, yeah, it's just, just kind of taking a little better care of possessions. And Anthony, I will learn that he'll get older. I think Kat will learn it as well, you know, even though Kat's in the seventh year, Delo in the seventh year too, like this is still new to them, right? Only their second playoff appearance, so um, I think kind of the hope is as Delo grows, his two kind of co-stars you know grow with him. So um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. But yeah, you definitely saw some of the, the limitations of having him be such a key part of your your team offensively. John, what are
1: your memories of Delo at Ohio State, sort of as a bright spot in the twilight of those Thad Mata years?
2: Yeah, I mean that's what I was just gonna say. Like he he came up. Like I remember like being super hyped about him coming to Ohio state and like, man, he, he hit the scene and he was running right. Average 19.3 points a game over 35 games. You know, he, he was just a, an all out baller. Right. And then, you know, you, you take, take a look at him when he gets to the league and he's, I mean, you know, you kind of hinted at it, Jackson, but he's played a lot of, I don't want to call it meaningless basketball, but like he's played a lot of basketball in, in situations that, you know, uh, were less than ideal. Right. So two, two playoff appearances and, and like that maybe is just a limitation again of like, you know, him being a vet on this, um, this, uh, Timberwolves team that also has a lot of guys who have played a lot of shitty basketball. Um, it, you know, that, that's, those are the kind of growing pains that you're going to have to work through kind of going, you know, moving forward. Like these are all experiences. Like maybe Anthony Edwards just becomes that guy now. Like, I I mean, that was what my takeaway from that series was, is like Anthony Edwards for like, I mean, he's an interesting guy to like watch just like the way that Twitter just doesn't react to him. Sometimes it's just insane, right? Like you've got this like first overall pick who's doing all of this crazy stuff. And like, he just doesn't come up in nearly in as many conversations as other young guys, and maybe some of that's warranted because it's kind of outrageous to be putting young guys on like that large of a stage. But man, he took some shots in that series that I was just floored at. And and again, like Delo's pretty in, interesting. Like it's an interesting mix the two of them. But um, yeah, Dilo I mean, he feels like he might be finally kind of finding his zone. Right. And, and that was an issue with um, particularly like, you know, when he played for the, for the Lakers, he was kind of in this, this weird area, you know, obviously he had the awesome like ice in the veins celebration and stuff like that. And then he goes to, to Brooklyn, um, you know, and, and again, he, he, he is sort of the leader on this weird kind of outcast sort of uh, Brooklyn Nets team and, and again, they were they played a lot of fun basketball. Him and Dinwiddie and that that whole crew, um, you know, just kind of coming up and and learning how to play. And and now he's in his seventh year, right? Like you, you alluded to, and you know maybe he's just starting to kind of find what his his ideal role is. And you know, I I think he hit free agency at an interesting point in time where it seemed like he he probably got a contract that was maybe higher than, than something that, you know, ideally, if you, if you could look back and, and give him, you know, something more that he could play into, I think that would be better for him, but maybe now at this point, he's just understands who he is as a role. And and there's always going to be a role for, for guys like that. Um, especially in, like you said, like an 82 game season. Uh, I mean, it's crazy to be talking about a guy who's 26 years old as like sort of in like the, uh, the, you know, second half of his career, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, he's he's a definitely a polarizing guy, too. Um, I don't know if any of you have spent well, – I mean, you guys both have spent a lot of time on Twitter.com. But he has, <laughs> has shooters, which I did not realize until, like, this playoffs. Um, there's, you know, a couple bloggers that come to mind that talked about how, like, leaving him on the bench for Game 6 when he was, like th- – like, they called him, like, one of the most clutch players in the NBA, which – was wild, but uh, you know, Delo, he's uh, a Buckeye through and through, so we love that for him.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you think you got pretty much all there is to get there. Um, you know, we're talking basketball, so I do have to you know force LeBron into the conversation. <laughs> I've always thought, uh, I've always thought, um, Delo would benefit greatly uh, from playing off of a big wing like lebron doesn't necessarily have to be lebron who can sort of handle the primary playmaking um and delo can attack when the defense is already in motion because i don't think he's great at sort of being the primary attacker of a defense um and then he could you know maybe work into a, a better spot up game better off ball game um, so maybe, you know, Anthony Edwards isn't quite that big, but as as Edwards sort of grows and matures, um, maybe in, it enhances his playmaking repertoire. Uh, maybe he could sort of fill into that role next to Edwards. Um, I'm ready to move on to a guy like Mike Conley, unless y'all have anything left to say about uh, Russell.
2: No, I'm not. I got all I um, need. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, the, the Conley conversation's kind of different now because it does seem like he's pretty well washed. Um, but he, you know, he's had, he's had a fantastic career. I'd say, um, I'm very happy that he got that all-star appearance. Even, uh, even if it was, um, even if it was an injury replacement, no one will care, uh, when they see his, uh, an all-star appearance on his career, uh, resume list. Um, and just really like a great player for a long time and I think uh has really adapted his game to the modern uh to the modern like uh league. Uh because he was not always a shooter. You know, he, he the thing with him used to be like he couldn't really shoot. You know, I was definitely a lot younger when he was coming up, but that was the uh I, I remember that being sort of the deal with him. Uh y'all have y'all were there a little bit longer for his uh sort of come up what are y'all's memories of conley and sort of thoughts on his career arc now that it seems to be winding down
0: yeah i mean i think i mean i don't i don't recall what his numbers were like in college but he struggled a little bit as rookie or as a shooter but nothing terrible i mean he's been a really good shooter most of his career I mean, you look at his numbers you know second year forty four percent from three of them 39 37 38 36 um you know was 41 percent the regular season this year and last year so um he's always been a really good shooter and this could be off base but what I kind of recall again he was drafted in 07 I was only I was only 9 or whatever 9 or 10 like I can't like remember so much but I kind of recall his ish, his kind of maturation coming as like a floor general right how to read things and make make decisions out of pick and roll and so that could be off base but that's kind of what I remember about him when I was you kind know, of first being introduced to the NBA and these players but um yeah I am curious to see him next year because I mean, he was good in the regular season. I definitely think he was worse than he was last year when he made an all-star appearance. Like, you know, like you mentioned Ezra. Um, but I mean, the Mavericks are just a really bad matchup for him. They have all those wings and that size on the perimeter. And Connelly obviously is, you know, six, one, six, two on a good day. Um, he really needs that floater to go down these days for his scoring inside the arc to be anything of, of worth. And it wasn't going down. It also hurt that the, the Mavs were really good at kind of neutralizing where to go bear on the roll, And that those two are kind of really important to work together. So, um I think he definitely had some issues and you saw how, you know, was there, whether it was Brunson, you know, Dinwiddie, even Luca uh, kind of taking advantage of their size, you know, edge on him defensively. Um, you know, that was an issue, but um, I don't think he's a good play. I still think he's like definitely, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he averages 14 and seven on solid efficiency. But, you know, part of the issue is like, where does Utah go from here? Or is there a team that wants him necessarily if he's on the trade market? Because I think he's making, I don't think he's making max money, but it's, it's a hefty amount of money. And obviously he deserves that, but it's kind of the same thing with dealer, right? It's like, if you acquire a guy like this, can you build the rest of your roster that accounts for that guy's, you know, lack, like his, the, the areas that he lacks, right? So um, I think it was more than anything, this was just a really bad matchup for him in Dallas or against Dallas. I don't think he's like, you know, by any means a, a bad NBA player now, but uh, I am very much curious to see where he stands a year from now because he's definitely worse than he was when he was an all-star. And um, he clearly had some issues, but uh, yeah, I think it, it's more just kind of revolves around where does Utah go and is there a team that wants him? How does that all work out? Um, but yeah, more than anything, I just think it was a bad matchup and he had a six game stretch with a floater that he needs, didn't go down and things looked really, really bad. And, you know, he was bad, but you know, it's kind of the, the dangers in the, I guess just the nature of the playoffs.
2: Yeah. And I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like a lot of his struggles this year seem to be as like symbolic of, of the struggles of the Utah Jazz at whole, like again, like last year everything was working for them right they uh like you know going into that playoffs they were cruising and uh you know i mean largely in part to him right like he definitely deserves the credit for that you know and and it just didn't seem like they gelled quite as much this year i mean in particular like their two star players don't seem to really be getting on at the moment so that's probably an issue for him um but uh, you know to, to go back further in time right you've got a guy uh in Mike Conley who signs a max contract one of the first like uh like ma- major max contracts i re- remember seeing and being like oh like that's that's kind of a lot for a guy but like he wasn't too egregious in that where you're like oh okay like he, he, like it seemed like more of a legacy thing than anything you know obviously um He's a legend in Memphis, right? They uh, they've committed to or have retired his jersey, um, which I think is so cool. I think more franchises should do stuff like that. Um, retire people like you know that 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 contribute to you. And, and there's about you know 29 NBA franchises who should be doing stuff like that. Um, obviously, the Celtics can't retire any more numbers, uh, otherwise they're gonna have guys in O line numbers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I like Mike Conley, you know. Um, and again, like he was the dude, uh, or one of two dudes on that 2007 Ohio State team that went to to the final and broke my heart when they lost to Florida. Um, but you know, the thing that I remember is just you know, this is more of a timepiece than anything. But man, Mike Conley wore some. Big ass clothes in Ohio. Oh yeah, those jerseys like the, just the, a symbol of the time. How large those jerseys were, and like you compare it to what they're wearing now, it's it's uh, it's night and day. But uh, for a guy who played through multiple now eras of basketball, we love Mike Conley.
1: Oh yeah, uh, definitely the definitely the long shorts, basically pants at that point. Yep. Um yeah, I. I guess since we just discussed Mike Conley, you know, like I said, I've never really, I never really got to watch Greg Oden play, at least live. Uh, So I'll sort of hand the floor to y'all if y'all want to, especially because I don't, you know, if our listeners don't know Jackson Group, a Blazers fan. So he definitely had to deal with some of the heartbreak of uh, Oden getting hurt. Uh, So I'll just sort of hand the floor to y'all if y'all want to discuss Greg Oden uh, and maybe what he could have been had he not been hurt. Like, are we talking... Are we talking a a good defender, good offensive, you know, a good defender guy who can get you fifteen points, ten rebounds a game, or are we talking a true superstar?
0: Yeah, I mean, again, this is similar to Conley that, like, I mean, I was, I, right. I, I remember and I have like memories of watching him play in college and a little bit with the Blazers, but it was, you know, it was too young for me to have any sort of like insightful eye on right. Right. what was happening, but. Um, and from what I've like, and you know, I've talked to other people who are a little older than you know all of us, and you know had you know better understanding of his game. Like he was a really, really incredible prospect, especially defensively. And just like watching some highlights and stuff, like I, I, what stood out to me is like he just like he he moved with kind of a level of like fluidity and power that you don't see very often. And he wasn't a great, like he wasn't a great you know back to the basket score, and he didn't have like incredible footwork, if I recall. And like some of his touch wasn't great, but like there was just kind of a way that he moved on the floor with the ball in his hands within five, six feet of the hoop that most big men didn't possess. And so um, that was always really impressive. Again, I'm, you know, just kind of, kind of grasping it straws bit here, but, um, and then just his ability to kind of make rotations, you know, that extended the defense, right. Where he can cover ground and make stuff happen. Um, he was, a, I mean, he was, what, he was seven foot. I don't know how long his wing, I don't know what his wingspan was, but um, I mean, you, you, I mean, he got his real his real only like two, you know, elongated periods of play, you know, where those 82 games of Blazers and back-to-back years, 82 total games. And, you know, he averaged, you know, you know, uh, nine, seven, you know, a block. And then the next year he averaged 11, eight and two blocks. And like, he wasn't even playing 25 minutes a game. So um, just kind of an ability to make things happen on both end with like athleticism and movement skills that, you know, would probably translate well to, well, today we talk, you know, talk about all these different, big men who are mobile and can do things on both ends, whether it's the uh, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, you know, uh, Evan Mobley, obviously not comparing, you know, directly any of those guys, but that sort of, you know, that that two-way ability and those movement skills are really important. And so that's kind of broadly what I remember about Odin. But I, again, I could be off base. And if there's anyone who en- ends up listening to this, that has a <laughs> very in-depth scour- scouting report, feel free to pass him away. Because yeah, I just remember he was an incredible prospect. And like people who cover the draft back then would say that like, it, may, it was justified that they wanted to take Odin over Durant, even if it wasn't you know, ultimately the right. the right move by any means. Listen, you boys
2: really were not out in these streets. <laughs> As the elder statesman here, I remember fighting people tooth and nail about Greg <laughs> Odin versus Kevin Durant. And I was team Greg Odin, right? Like I believed in that guy through and through i said that guy took a team to a national championship, which I believed at that time was important. I was around 13 at the time. (laughs) Um, So yeah, maybe a little bit misguided, but uh, Greg Oden, man, he was an absolute legend. Uh, Again, like, you know, Mr. Basketball, the state of Indiana, um, all American, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Then he lands at Ohio state and is just a, a monster, right? Like, he just, you know, did it all on both ends. And, and again, maybe he's just a guy who played in the wrong era and like, of course, the injury plague. Um, but, you know, every ever everything that happened once he got the NBA was was real scary. Um, I remember the reports because this was before like Summer League was really well televised. I remember reports of him fouling out in a game and having 10 fouls to do it. Um, I, remember, I remember that.
0: That was like one of my first summer league members. I remember like driving around with my dad in the car and we're listening like we're listening to some report about Blazers summer league game. And it's like Odin fouls out. And then the limit was 10. And I was like, I don't know much, but I was like, probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> no, not <laughs> not good. Yeah, and,
2: and then he, like, I think one of his injuries happened in like a, like a, I want to say like a, a small hoop game or he was just dicking around or something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who again, like, you know, and, and with the advances in medicine and stuff, like maybe he can piece together, like, cause again, you look at his thing and it just looks like he gets injured all over the place. Maybe there's somebody that could have caught that beforehand. Um, but Definitely a guy who like I rooted for and rooted for like till the end, right? Like even when he played for the Heat, and in- it sucks that he had
1: to be on the Heat in 2011 and not any of the other years. Like,
2: <laughs> well, he he laced him up in uh, in 2013, 14. Did he? Oh, yeah. so he
1: did. He did win a title. I thought he was only on the 2011 team.
2: Yeah, um, it was. You know, he he. I guess played in yeah he played in the finals uh oh, wait, to, oh wait was
1: that the second year against was the spurs though year. okay uh, so he
2: didn't he was yeah no yeah. He, he did not win a title um but yeah i mean overall like just a, a a guy who you know is one of the all-time he'll go down as one of the all-time busts but for what he did at Ohio state, I it's, it's always a guy I I root for. And, and I, I hope at some point maybe we'll get some sort of like, Oh, Greg Oden. will come back and and talk, talk to us about what happened, you know? Um, but, uh, when he's ready, but, um, yeah, all in all, you know, uh, I can't fault the guy. He was a good Buckeye. So.
1: Oh yeah. Um, we're running out of NBA, Buckeyes to talk about, you know, uh, last guy sort of who's had a real impact in the NBA, unless I'm forgetting someone is, uh, is Evan Turner. Other than that, you know, Jared Sullinger hung around a few years. Uh, I think Aaron Kraft might've had a cup of coffee, but I, I don't,
2: you know, yeah, the basketball tournament player, uh, Aaron Kraft, right there. Yeah. Right. Um, the doctor now or something like that. That sounds right. Um,
1: I know he was playing overseas for a little while, but I don't know how long that lasted. Um, yeah, you know Evan Turner uh I remember him on the Celtics. I remember the Blazers paid him and I think Al Farouq Aminu that summer of 16 where uh
2: <laughs> yeah
1: where uh, everyone just got everyone just got the bag um Evan Turner uh I I you know I've seen highlights of that game where he hit do you have any uh memories of him at Ohio State?
2: Yeah, that, that the game winner is the one that that kind of comes up. Um, you know, obviously, you know, whenever you can hit a half court sh- shot like that to win a game, it's it's going to go down in the in the annals of history. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at his stats and his numbers. Like his second year, he averaged seventeen point three points, and like it's crazy to me that he
1: was the number two pick. Because yeah.
2: again, this is this is like so emblematic of that era, like. Yeah. He was drafted in, in two thousand ten and like it was right before people would have done the math and said, like, that's a college junior you're drafting at number two overall. Who like
1: doesn't really have elite athleticism, doesn't really shoot from yeah. outside very well. Uh <laughs> isn't yeah, I I think that he probably would have gone a lot lower. Uh no offense to him well, if if sort I'll of modern. I'll
2: pose the question to the group here. Um, real hooper? He's he's a oh he's definitely team. a hooper.
1: He is that's b-ball. He is uh. How am I forgetting their name? Jackson. What's their name? The what's uh.
0: Ball don't stop.
1: But yeah, he is ball don't stop certified. Absolutely. He's um,
0: as he the tween. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah I, th- yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. He, he had he had to do a lot of different moves to get his shots off in the NBA. I think that definitely <laughs> that
1: that is one way to put it. Um... <laughs> But, you know, I think he, he had some moments for Boston, I think. Maybe not so much for Portland. Um, I, I can't say I remember much about his Trailblazer tenure. Um, he made
0: a couple of big plays in Game 7 against the Nuggets the year the Blazers made the Western Horns Finals, very I call. I, like- I, I didn't realize
1: he, had, he was on the Blazers that long. Like, I th- I um but that
0: he wrote, he wrote up that contract if I recall. Oh, gotcha. oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense.
0: Um
2: yeah, I mean <laughs> anytime you can go from so let's look at his salaries here, and this is just an interesting kind of tidbit, right? So he went from making four mil, he kind of had like a standard rookie contract. His second contract with the Celtics, he was making about three and a half mil a year. And then <laughs> Portland came and bid against nobody and paid him, uh, 16, 17, 17. And then his last year with the Timberwolves was $18 million, um, for a guy who like topped out at roughly ten and a half points a game.
1: I would um, love to be a fly on the wall. Uh, when his agent got that contract offer, like just like he
2: signed it fast enough. Yeah,
1: like barely had time to call. It. Like Evan, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> what?
2: Burn your consent right there. And
1: yeah, uh, good for him. What a what a legend.
0: Yeah, um, his career career earning during was a hundred million, but I did I did stand corrected. He was traded for a Baysmore after the third year of that. That gotcha. Field.
2: Kent Baseball, uh, the all-time like trade guy. Um, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> he lo- loves
1: to get traded. Um no. Yeah, uh Evan Turner with that uh Brian Hartline hundred million career earnings.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that man uh he worked for that hundred mil. That's <laughs> right. 98 million dollars that he made in his life. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what, uh kids. If you are listening to this, uh, go outside and dribble the ball on your back in the <laughs> uh,
0: you need to make the that NBA. It looks like he's a, it looks like he's a member of the Celtics coaching staff anymore. I guess it was last year when it, when Stevens was still there yeah was- that that, that was, would make sense that
2: he may or you know he cleaned house and probably got rid of some guys but uh yeah so I guess you know it, without the lack of any other you know um any other Buckeyes really to talk about in the NBA? What about some general thoughts about the NBA playoffs? Are you guys enjoying it? What are, you, what, are what is our takeaway right now? I mean, um, so I'm I'm sort of in a weird spot um, because you
1: know, as Jackson knows and uh, John, you know as well. I'm am a pretty pretty uh, allegiance driven fan, um, and neither of my two uh, neither of my two rooting interests the Cavs or LeBron are in the playoffs. Um, I do, I do. The games have been fantastic. I mean, all the series have been competitive. Um, I'm, I'm deathly scared that um, I I feel like, uh, I feel like golden state is, is a real threat to win it all. Um, I hate saying that, but I know it's true um, because they just, I I think Phoenix is going to win tonight and close out the close out the Mavericks, I just think they're the better team, even if... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas won the series. I I just think uh, Phoenix is a little bit better. Um, I think they can beat Golden State. Um, but, you know, it's like... The Warriors have a lot of firepower, uh, especially with Jordan Poole. Uh, sort of um, his emergence. Um, Poole is... Uh, Poole is sort of inconsistent he didn't you know play I mean I guess no one played great last night against uh, against the the Grizzlies in that sort of bloodbath. Are we talking
2: viewing um, effect with uh, with John Morant uh, while well, we've got Jackson <laughs> Frank on? I, it's, it's, it, we need a sound clip to be picked by the
1: aggregate. Yeah, yeah no, um of Jackson's deranged reply
0: guys um <laughs>
1: yeah of which <laughs> I, I am so I, congratulations.
0: I it's, I think what, with the Grizzlies, part of their depth, what it allows them is to really kind of like rotate rotate across play styles, right? So when Jaw misses time, they run more offense through Steven Adams at the elbows and pick and rolls with Tyus Jones and maybe more dribble handoffs with Desmond Bain. Uh, and they're more defensive oriented. Obviously, Jaw is incredible offensively, but his defensive exploits are, have been, you know, rightfully scrutinized throughout these playoffs. So, um, and I you mean know, having and, and having Jaron Jackson stay on the floor more you know, with Stephen Adams' back has been huge. I think mean, I think Jaron's played like two of his best games of the playoffs the last two games. Obviously they didn't win both of them, but they you know nearly won game four and then clearly won game five. So um I don't know, like I don't think it's like I think this their roster is uniquely constructed to allow for them to kind of just shift to a different playstyle without Jaw. That wouldn't be the case in most other environments. But that's clearly like that's that's a testament to Jaws teammates and the way they build their roster. But I don't think like on the on the surface, if you just took if you put John ja a bunch of different teams and then took him away, they would all go twenty one and six, right? But I think the Grizzlies are kind of in an, a different dynamic where they can do that and it, it works. So um, it would be interesting to kind of see them hypothetically across an entire eighty two game slate or a full playoff series without Jaw, But you know, twenty seven games is not. Not eight, right? It's not that like they went seven and two or six mm-hmm. and two. Like, 27 yeah. is a pretty big sample. So, like I guess I just think it speaks to, like, you have a backup point guard who can scale up to a bigger role in Tyus Jones. You have a, a guy in Devon Bain who doesn't really create a ton on the ball, but he's incredible off the ball and has a good kind of dribble handoff partner team at Adams. You have a guy like Jaron Jackson who's incredible defensively. So, you have Dylan Brooks who, you know, is – He's he's poor. It's Dylan Brooks. It's Dylan Brooks' time. Yeah, he, he, was, he was really good. In, yeah, before the game got out of hand, I thought he was really good in Game Five, and he was better. To, he's better offensively. Of course, he's always going to have those shots where you're like, "What are we doing here, Dylan?" But um, yeah, I think they're in a, they're very much a unique roster. But um, I do I don't think they're better without Jaw. But they're clearly different. and Maybe this style matches up better with Golden State than the Jaw-centric style did. Yeah, and then. Yeah,
1: I'm. I've been rooting for Philly. I just like Embiid. It'd be nice. Uh, it'd be nice to see sort of Embiid and Harden win a ring. Even though I've been anti-Harden in the past, it's the type of guy where I think I just like seeing guys uh like cap off their careers with a championship. Uh, I I would I'd love to see Chris Paul do the same on the Suns. Um, so that's sort of my where I'm rooting right now. Um. Jackson, obviously you cover the Sixers. To me, I, I feel like Heat in seven is probably the way this shakes out. I feel like this is a home team wins every game type of series. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Heat close it out tonight or if uh, the Sixers win it uh, in seven. Um, I, think, I think the matchup is close enough. What are your sort of thoughts on that series and where Philly goes from here?
0: Yeah, I think Philly won the night, but I agree Heat in seven. It it's funny, you know. There's always the same, like a, a series never starts until right. a team wins, which I guess the series will never started. Didn't even right. have to, yeah. <laughs> it's a race for <laughs> yep. um, yeah. But yeah, I think you know, uh, you know, big thing is Nikias Duncan of Basketball News wrote a really good piece about how kind of the Heat adjusted their pick and roll coverage against um, the Sixers. Where at, like, usually when they would Harden and B would do their thing, they would switch it. Instead, in Game Five, they started to play and drop, and that gave them some issue. It gave the Sixers some issues, so they can counter that effectively. I think the Bill came, okay. but the Sixers have been here before. I mean, like. You look at last round; they got absolutely destroyed in Game Five, and then won Game Six with the Raptors three years ago. Totally different team, but they got destroyed in Toronto in Game Five of the second round, and then came back and destroyed Toronto in in Philly. So, um, I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that to be like, oh, this is why they're going to win, but just it's not unprecedented, you know, in recent years for a team to get its its butt kicked in Game Five somewhere and then come back and and win Game Six. So. Um yeah, I like them to win. I think you saw a lot of good stuff uh offensively in the in the, on both ends, I would say, in those two home games that they won. Um defensively, you know, they they really struggled, you know, in, in game five. Um obviously they did as well offensively, but um we'll see. Joel talked a little post game about sometimes your body just doesn't let you do what it wants to do, which is like which is normal. We kind of always think about these athletes just being the models of consistency, but like every human wakes up sometimes and their body isn't allowing them to do what they want to do, and I I imagine that can't be easier when you're working with a a torn ligament, an orbital bone fracture. Yeah, I
1: just can't believe he's playing basketball right now. It just sounds
0: absolutely brutal. Maybe he's a little better equipped. You saw him get a little bit of rhythm in the second half once the game was out of hand offensively uh, of Game 5. But yeah, I like the Sixers tonight, but still like the Heat overall. And I think, you know, regardless of who wins that series, I think it's going to be a really tall mountain to climb to beat either Boston or Milwaukee. Obviously, it's like Milwaukee right now, but those teams just look like a little bit of a... A caliber above, a cut above, and these other two. But hey, I mean, making these current finals, being a Final Four team, is is still a pretty you know good accomplishment, especially for a team like the secret like, maybe that hasn't done it in twenty one yeah, seasons. Yeah, they've sort of become
1: Clippers, Clippers East. Uh,
0: <laughs> wow, <I> need- <laughs> yeah, see what the
2: commonality there is. Uh, no. Um.
1: Yeah, Aaron, I or John, I gosh, I dox you every episode now. Um, Yeah,
2: just don't read my IP address. Uh, Yeah,
1: (laughs) Uh, I I haven't talked much playoff hoops with you Uh, before. Jackson has to get out of here. Who are you rooting for, and who do you think is going to win these playoffs?
2: Man, like I, I really like you guys said, like Philly would be really cool. Um, you know, it'd be it'd be really cool to see. You know, I, I, I try to follow the anti of like what Reddit, Twitter kind of <laughs> to talk about. And like Harden winning an NBA Finals would be just objectively funny. Same with Chris Paul. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. But I, I think you know, I if you'd ask me. 24 hours ago, I would have told you, I think the Celtics were going to win the NBA championship. But after a loss like that,
1: uh, I, they, they blew that. I, uh, that was
2: not pretty yeah, Marcus, um, yeah. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. It wasn't
1: just him though. Like it was, a
2: wasn't, group. It was funny it, to say. It, yeah, so, um, yeah. And on that, yeah. I, think, I think we're going to wrap up. Cause Jack's got to get out of here, but Jackson, before we leave, where can the people find you?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at jackfrank__jjf. Everywhere I write is in my bio there. But if you're not on Twitter and you still want to find my work, uh, you can find me at Basketball News, Dime Up Rocks, the Analysts, and Liberty Ballers. I'm writing, podding, all these different places. Appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, I, I kind of agree, uh, John, that, you know, 24 hours ago, <laughs> maybe even 22 hours ago. Yeah, 22 hours well, yeah, and 26 hours and
2: 15 minutes ago, you, we would
0: have... Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's so fun about these playoffs, right, is that it just mm-hmm. felt like... A different day, week, month—you could. The just Warriors team might team. lose by fifty to a team without yeah, exactly. so Like who knows? A yeah, you know, um, I think you can, you can make a legitimate case that every team remaining could win it all, and that's what's cool. That's it's cool that we haven't had a four-zero series or a four-one series yet. We got at least four, you know, four game sixes, maybe some game sevens, and that's what that's what's very cool. So I'm sure some some team will win, and we'll be like, yeah, we kind of kind of say that coming the entire time. But right now, I'm sure there's favorites, but. You know, that's what's so cool is we, 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 it doesn't, doesn't feel written, written in stone by any means right now. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Well, great um, episode, guys. Uh, always a pleasure to chat. And Jackson will be happy to have you on at any other point. Yep. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I'll brush up on football
1: knowledge for the two of yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> you don't have to say go bucks, but uh, go bucks.
2: Go bucks. <laughs> All right. Peace out, y'all. See you guys.